How many is ready for the message? Dr. Bill is going to deliver the message on love today. So Dr. Bill Birchfield, we're so proud and excited to have you with us today. And I know it's going to be powerful. Let's give him a hand just to... Well, I am turned on now. And Donna, you don't know what you've gotten yourself into to uh, allow a rookie to get up here and give a message on love Um, and it's a big subject where do you start and how much time do I have then I I need to okay I take my watch off and you know what it means when a speaker takes his watch off absolutely nothing (laughs) so so I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas okay Season's greetings, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. We know Jesus is the reason for the season and we're going to shout it out. He is our Lord and Savior. We're proud of that and thankful. So um, I don't know if you've been following Donna on Facebook, but she had a couple of good ones this week. And one was about dogs, and I know they love their dogs because we hear about their dogs all the time. <laughs> and, and I have a middle-aged chocolate lab named Coco, and he's my best buddy. Uh, when I get up in the morning for my quiet time, he either wakes me up or he gets up with me, and he's on the floor on his bed or he's on the couch next to me. Uh, he falls asleep, though, so I don't know how much benefit he gets from it. But they are just a demonstration of unconditional love, and that's what we're talking about. They never have a bad day. You know, I come in the house, and he's wagging his tail and and uh, shaking his rear end, and I see Susan in the chair up there reading a book, and I say, Susan, you need to do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but we won't <clears throat> I didn't mean it that way but, uh, but the other one I thought was very good was uh, the post on 12 things a church pastor cannot do okay and there are 12 things that nobody can do the problem with being a pastor is you get expected to do all these things. And uh, I'll just read a few of them. One, uh, a pastor can't read your mind. A pastor can't be everywhere. A pastor can't change hearts. And, and that's nice to know. When we witness to people or we give a message or whatever, their response is not up to us. The Holy Spirit is chasing them down. And if it's their time to hear and their hearts to be turned, it'll happen. But if we get rejected giving a testimony, so what? We were faithful in what God asked us to do. And he will bring the results around. So, uh, Another thing, the pastor can't know everything although I think you do. but And this is a big one. Um, a pastor can't please everybody. 
And when we think of that, um, we're not people pleasers in the first place anyway. We play to an audience of one. And that's our Heavenly Father. Um, one thing Donna does not do is ignore sin because we go by the Word of God and what it says and the truth in there and we will confront sin. Another thing that uh, Pastor uh, Donna and Zach cannot do is grow this church. God will do that. And one of the things I like about Impact is that um, our aim is to build the church of Jesus Christ the way he wants it, not the way man wants it or the, the way other churches look. And uh, the one thing I had a little trouble with, and um, bear with me, was number six, a pastor cannot live sinlessly, okay? Well, nobody can, and I'm sorry, you can't, and I can't, okay? Uh, and then it said we were all sinners. No, no, don't say yes, okay? I'm talking about an identity problem, okay? And if, don't raise your hands, but if I asked you all, are you a sinner saved by grace? Probably be a lot of hands go up. Um, but the way I want to look at that is that in Christ, I am his child. I am redeemed, justified, sanctified. Uh, that's my identity, okay? Do I sin? Yes. And the remedy for that is confession and repentance and getting in right standing with God again. And then that sin's forgotten. And if Satan whispers into your ear, you remember what you did 10 years ago? Don't bring it up to God because it's been dealt with, okay? So we are saints set apart, set apart for God's service and for his plans and purposes and to bring this kingdom here on earth. Um, we do sin, okay? Um, but that's being a human. But we are not sinners. So there's a difference between our identity, who we are in Christ, and our behavior, okay? And it's good for parents to remember that, and maybe we'll get to that. Um, <clears throat> One thing when we when we do sin, um, God is hopefully the Holy Spirit quick to condemn us, not condemn us to convict us. Okay, and His conviction is gentle and it's very specific. Okay, and I had. A, time with Molly and Susan yesterday, and this is true confessions. Uh, Molly has a jammed toe, and her toenail's black, and her foot's swollen, and we're trying to figure out how to relieve that pressure and drain some of the blood. And Susan made a comment, and, and I said, uh, now why would you say that? You don't know anything about that. Whew. Okay, and, and that lasted for about three minutes, and I hear, son, you blew it. Yeah. Your 
thanks were not encouraging to the woman I gave you, who's the love of your life, and she is a treasure. And I see her as that. And uh, the quickest thing you can do is, honey, I'm sorry. My words were not encouraging to you. My tone of voice was not what it should be. Forgive me. And, uh, and Lord, help me not do that again. Uh, is that the way it went, Molly? Basically? Okay. Um, and maybe it was good for Molly to see a husband um, confess and repent to a wife and get back in fellowship with that. Um, so we respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What we don't respond to is the condemnation of the enemy. Okay. And Donna's talked about that a lot and how the enemy will mess with our minds. And we get these thoughts that you're not capable, you're not good enough, you'll never measure up. <clears throat> the world would be a better spot if you weren't here. Um, and all that sort of thing. And you, and you notice uh, those attacks on our mind are all against our identity. Okay, and so in setting people free, we get rid of that stinking thinking, if you will. Okay, those are lies of the enemy. Uh, and when we confront those and reject them, then we replace that with God's word and what he says about us and how much we are loved and how precious we are in his sight. And that is really deliverance, Okay. It's not uh, shouting at the devil and binding him up and kicking his rear end out of here, although we have the authority to do that. But what it is is a truth encounter. We say no to the lies in the enemy and yes to what God says. That changes our thinking, which changes our behavior. Okay? And we walk in our identity, our identity in Christ. The things that a pastor cannot do, I just want to thank Zach and Donna and Nicole uh, and Terry for their leadership at this church. We are blessed to have them, and it's been a joy to be under their authority. Uh, it's been about a year since we came to uh, visit Impact, and it took... Uh, I was really missing corporate worship and just felt the need to get back into there. And, and our worship here is awesome. Uh, we're taken right into the presence of God. Um, on prayer Wednesday, there were several of us here, and um, Donna was relating how somebody asked her how to describe the church. And I've been thinking about that, so let me give you my description of impact, okay? Um, when I spoke of the worship, it is awesome. Uh, we have a loving fellowship here. Everyone is very accepting of each other. Um, our foundation is based on the Word of God, and we believe everything that's in the Bible. We're building God's church. There's a wonderful 
diversity as I look around, and everybody revels in that, and it's good. And um, there's a love for one another that's very uh, palpable in, in impact. And that's one yardstick that Jesus left um, for the world to know if we were Christians. And it's in John 13 where he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So how we relate to each other is a message to the world about who Jesus is. Okay? And uh, it's, it's a blessing to be with you all. Um, and as you know, the message is on love, and God is love. And everybody's shaking their heads, so I could quit there, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I want to look at uh, how much he loves us and in, in the gift that he's given us, which is Jesus. And then we, uh, to talk about how we are the object of his love. And then how we respond to that love. Um, and... My nature is to have everything organized and written out and to follow it perfectly so I don't leave anything out and I want it to impress you and I want to look good. And um, Susan was watching me do all of this stuff for a lot of preparation and reading and writing and tearing things up and whatever. She said, why don't you just wing it? That's not my nature, you know. I think I can't do that. And the more I thought about it, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to wing some of this, okay? And if we if we if we get to the prepared stuff, okay. But um, Susan, again, the love of my life. When she puts her finger up, I got ten minutes left. Okay. <laughs> So don't worry about lunch or a ball game if you're into that sort of thing. So, uh, we'll be all right. Uh, one of the things that was on my heart was to share with you my testimony. Okay? And I sort of wondered if that's the thing to do. Uh, but we have shared testimony in here often. And when we do that, that is the truth. Okay, and you can't take it away from that person. They know what they've been through. And when Marie gets up and says, you know, the Lord has delivered me from years of depression. And she knows where she was. She knows where she is now. And you cannot deny the truth in somebody's uh, <coughs> testimony. So it's a very powerful thing. And uh, what just a rabbit trail a little bit. I, I love to listen to Christian music, so if you get in my car, it's going to be on 91.9, Halo, and listening to songs. And when I pulled out of the garage, uh, the song that was on is, and these are some of the words to it, you never give up on me, you are my rescue story, 
This is my testimony. Okay, so if God says it's all right, here we go. Um, And I'm going to start in the beginning. Um, I was born in Pennsylvania and sprinkled as an infant in in a Presbyterian church. We moved to an island south of Detroit when I was a year old. And it had two churches on it. One was an Episcopal church and one was a Catholic church. So you can guess where we went. We became Episcopalians. Um, One of my fond childhood memories was in the fourth grade when this cute little blonde girl came into our class as a new student. And that was Susan. And uh, you can take it from there. (laughs) But uh, one thing, in high school, I was an achiever, you know, and just um, strive to get good grades and be good in athletics and be on the student council. And um, I had good parents, a stable home. We went to church. My parents were active in church. One thing, looking back, uh, my mother was not treasured and loved properly. There was no physical abuse or anything, but sometimes she would leave the the dinner table in tears. And as a kid, you just didn't understand that. But life's lessons get transferred. Thankfully, a man's righteousness goes through a thousand generations, and the sins of a father will go through three or four But those sorts of life lessons and and soul wounds are what we get healed of along the way. Uh, So I'm still working on that. The Lord hasn't given up on me. Uh, Susan and I got married in 1960. So next February, that's how many years? 60 years, is that right? And... uh, It's been a joy. Uh, Then came college and med school, the Air Force, and back to Michigan for an ophthalmology residency. Uh, We've got three wonderful children. Got 12 grandchildren. Got 10 great-grandchildren. And they're all in Concord except four of them. So uh, we are just blessed beyond measure with family. And I thank you, Lord. Um, You know, sometimes you look back and see the Lord's hand in things. And uh, the best thing we ever did was move to Concord in 1973. Um, It's been an amazing place to raise a family. We've grown spiritually by leaps and bounds. And um, I'm just thankful that we're here. We were... Uh, in the Episcopal Church for 17 years uh, and active in it. I was on the church board and um, taught Sunday school and did all that sort of thing. But looking back on a lot of the achievements and the doing, I was trying to prove myself worthy, okay? And there's a term for that, performance orientation, okay? 
And it's a heavy load because you're always striving for people's approval. You can never do enough. You never arrive. And um, so that was just what I dealt with. And you have questions. Do I measure up? Do I have what it takes? Are people going to like me? You know, and again, those often turn into lies of the enemy that we believe. Uh, I remember one time uh, early in our Episcopal uh, adventure, the minister at the time asked me what I thought about Jesus. And I'm almost ashamed to tell you my answer, but that's where I was. He said, you know, I thought Jesus was a good man and uh, a good teacher, and I try to follow uh, his teachings. Okay. Didn't have a clue about what a relationship with my Savior was. Okay. So it was a very superficial level of religion. And I think there's a lot more of that in the church than we would like to confess. Um, but at age 40, I don't know if that's a midlife crisis or whatever, but I pretty much achieved everything I th- thought I ought to have from the world. You know, I had a successful medical practice, a nice home, good family, um, and was active in church and that sort of thing. But there was just this gnawing question about, is this all there is to life? Having you know, made it, so to speak, and um, was just pondering about that. And as Zach mentioned last time, that was the hole in the donut, okay, that we're created with and that can only be filled with God and his love. And uh, so in 1980, I went to an Episcopal weekend retreat called Crescio. I don't know heard of that, uh, other denominations, it's a road to Emmaus, but it starts on a Thursday night and goes Friday, Saturday, and half of Sunday, and there's a team that uh, puts this whole thing on, and you're just really showered with love, and you hear good messages, Uh, and it didn't take God long to uh, jerk me around, if you will, uh, or knock me off my donkey, maybe it's a better response. But Thursday night, they had a series of meditations called the Stations of the Cross. And it starts from the condemnation of Jesus and then goes through all the various things that he undergoes on his way to the cross. And there are meditations that were given, uh, very thoughtful and very profound about what he went through. And our instructions after that were to go to your room and go to sleep and not talk to anybody. And uh, again, one of the lies that I was taught was big boys don't cry. So, you know, if I cry, that's okay. I've been delivered from that. But I was in tears, and basically what I heard uh, in my mind and felt was an overwhelming love of Jesus, 
and that everything I had just meditated on, he went through for me. And if I were the only person in the world, he would have gone through it for me. And that just impacted me. And, and I said, Lord, you know, I've been doing it my way all my life, all these accomplishments. I'm doing it to make myself look good. If you still want me, I'm yours. <clears throat> and waking up the next morning, I was a new preacher, a new creation, if you will. There was a hunger and a thirst to be in God's word. The Bible came alive. We had friends on the same journey. Uh, we went to conferences all the time. Great teachers and great leaders and some of them healing conferences where you deal with issues in your life. And uh, along the way, sins and addictions are dealt with and you're delivered. And, you know, every time you have an encounter with God and he points something out and you heal it, you have another degree of freedom. And that's in, in Donna, I love it when she says, he reveals to heal, you know. And so we run to him instead of run away from him. But um, I was a new person in Christ. The old was gone, the new has come, as scripture tells us. And um, a few of the changes I'll share with you You're, you know, there's just a feeling of unconditional love and you're filled with, filled with it. And because of my performance orientation for 40 years, what did I give to my kids? You know, the same thing. That's all I knew. And as long as they were doing good, I loved them more. And if they didn't do what I didn't think they should do, I sort of pulled back with that love and withheld it. And that is not what God does. So when we become new creatures and are filled with his love, we've got something to give to others, okay? And that's why it's so important to know how precious we are in his sight. You cannot love others if you don't love yourself and know how much he loves you. And so... In essence, you don't have anything to give away if you don't have that, okay? You can't give what you don't have. Um, and, and we see people in a different way. Um, and, and that's one of my prayers lots of times is to, Lord, show me Susan as you see her. You know, can I see her through your eyes? And wow. Show me my children as you see them. Show me this person I'm having problems with as you see them. And um, condemnation and conviction and um, criticism and things like that tend to fall by the wayside. And you understand uh, their behavior and their, their motivation sometimes. Um, I have spent my life helping people see physically. And becoming a new creation was another dimension added to that to help people see spiritually. And 
one of my joys was to write out prescriptions for patients before cataract surgery. That's a sort of a scary thing to go through. And I would have them read Philippians 4, 4 through 10, which is have no anxiety about anything. You know, as you go through that, and uh, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will be with you. And, and further on, as you think about things that are right and true and noble, the God of peace will be with you. So read that every day, okay? And the promise of God's peace and the promise of his presence. What, what more could we want? And then before surgery, we'd pray. And uh, it didn't seem like that big a thing to me at the time. But so many people would say, you know, I've never had a doctor pray for me. You know, and that's a sort of a sad thing to say because we know who is the healer and who does the healing uh, because of his great love and we can be agents in that but to him be the honor and the glory and so that was a, another another change and you know as we change on our Christian walk hopefully those closest to you can see the changes okay that's the the whole thing is for our relationships to improve and uh, to become better unconditional lovers of those God puts us in relationship with. Um, one, one of the fun things of being retired is I don't have to be in the operating room at seven getting ready for surgery and don't have to be getting ready for appointments at 7.30. And so I have time in the morning to spend with the Lord. And I go to bed early, so hopefully I'm asleep between 9 and 10, sometimes earlier, Susan says. But, uh, and I, I don't set an alarm clock, so I get, I get up in the morning. It might be 4.30 or 5 or 5.30. And my delight is to go to the couch and get the coffee going and get in the Word and just sit quietly in God's presence. Uh, my dog comes too, and he's not a hindrance at all because he goes to sleep. Uh, but I wanted to share with you um, what three things I did this morning. And I don't know if you remember what, how we started last year with our reset, okay? It was renew our passion for God. And that's part of December too, I understand. Eliminate excess baggage. I don't remember all of them, but the last one was training for righteousness. And that's really, you know, those were our goals for the year, but that's our goal for every day. Lord, renew my passion for you today. You know, let me train for righteousness. And so... Uh, one thing I like is this book called Jesus Calling, okay? And it's written as if Jesus is talking to you. It's the, the lady who wrote it. It's a compilation of um, her years of devotion. And it always speaks to me. And let me just read what it was for December 8th this morning. And it sort of dovetails with Zach's message 
last week. Your needs, and, and imagine, this is Jesus talking to you. Your needs and my riches are a perfect fit. I never meant for you to be self-sufficient. Instead, I designed you to need me, not only for daily bread, but also for fulfillment of deep yearnings. I carefully crafted your longings and feelings of incompleteness to point you to me. Therefore, do not try to bury or deny these feelings. Beware also of trying to pacify those longings with lesser gods. And that's what we do. People, possessions, power. Come to me in all your neediness with defenses down and with desire to be blessed. As you spend time in my presence, your deepest longings are fulfilled. Rejoice in your neediness, which enables you to find intimate completion in me. In the verse that goes along with it, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And then um, one of the other things, I like to read the Proverbs for the day, and I like to read some Psalms and then other parts of Scripture. But the psalm for this morning, I want to read in the Passion Version because it just, you know, it sort of draws you in to God's presence. And it was Psalm 100. Praise God. Okay. And lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. As you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God and we do it well here. Thank you. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pasture, of his pleasure. Okay, one version is sheep of his pasture, but I like this. We are the people of his pleasure. As for the saints in the land, those are the ones in whom is all God's delight. You know he delights in us. He likes to be with us. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his holy name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you. And he's famous for his faithfulness toward all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises from generation to generation. And just one other thing from the Proverbs 8, which is the Proverbs for the day, and it's about wisdom. And anybody here need God's wisdom? Big, big time. And again, that's why I, I like that our foundation is on God's word because I really don't want man's opinion and you don't want my opinion, okay? Uh, you, we all want God's opinion. And this is wisdom worth waiting for. So listen, my sons and daughters, to everything I tell you. For nothing will bring you more joy than following my ways. 
Listen to my counsel, for my instructions will enlighten you, and you'll be wise not to ignore it. If you wait at wisdom's doorway, longing to hear a word for every day, joy will break forth within you as you listen for what I'll say. For the fountain of life pours into you every time you find me. And this is the secret of growing in the delight and the favor of the Lord. Okay. And that that's one thing that we, that's one way we respond to the gift of God's love is to spend time with him. And I know we all have busy lives, but if we're too busy to spend time with God, we're too busy. Okay. Um, you know, we love going to the grandkids' athletic events, be it tennis matches or swim meets or whatever. And um, their performance and how they do has nothing to do with why we go. We go because they're our grandkids. Okay. And nothing can change that, and nothing can change our love for them. And it's just a joy to be around them. And that's the same with God. That's what he wants from us. He is love. So, um, Susan, how am I doing on time? (laughs) All right. Can I have the first projected slide on Advent? You have that? Okay, and my grandkids will be proud of me. Um, I didn't look that up in Noah's Dictionary, but I asked Siri. (laughs) And and that's the extent of my technical ability. So I need something done with the phone or the iPad that kids get it. But it's an arrival a notable person, and I'd say Jesus is a notable person. Um, and it's part of the church year, and these are the four Sundays that we're celebrating. And it's also, and to me, that's the advent that we're waiting for, is the coming of Christ. And in our worship and our prayers, come, Lord Jesus, come, in all your glory and all your majesty, that we can rule and reign and have your kingdom in all its fullness on it earth. So we really know what love is about. Um, so we celebrate Christmas, but we can't do that without thinking about Easter and Pentecost. And you know, we had a Black Friday recently, and for the world, that's great. You go out and you spend all the money you have, and you get bargains and two for ones and fifty percent off. But Jesus had a Black Friday, okay? And he went through that because of our sin, okay? He went through it for us, that we could have a way to come back in relationship with God. Adam and Eve blew it, and we inherited that. Uh, They believed the enemy's lies. You know, did, did God really say that? The challenge is always in the Word. Does the Word really say that? 
And uh, then it's to deny there'll be any consequences of your actions. That's another lie of the enemy. You know, you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God said, you're surely going to die. And Cain said, no, you won't. No, you won't. And what happened? They eat of the, the fruit, and there is an immediate death, and it's a spiritual death, okay? They are separated from the will of God and from uh, fellowship with him. And uh, physical death enters in later, okay? So that's our inheritance from mankind, and the gift of Christmas and Jesus is to open up the way that we can come back into a spiritual relationship with God, be spiritually alive, to know we're fully loved, to be filled with that, um, and for that to be our, our new life. Okay, and let's do one more scripture. We're going to do a couple. I'll go over time if it's not too bad. Um, can we do the next one, John 3.16? And, you know, you know this scripture. It's probably the one that's that's uh, most important. Um, and it's in the Passion Translation, and, and I won't read it for you. But God so loved the world. So get alone with him and personalize that scripture. God, you so loved me that you gave your only son. You did that for me. How much you must love me. And we are given the gift of a relationship with him, and then we have the gift of eternal life again. Um, and can we do the next slide on love? And that's from Corinthians. And I'm dating myself when I call these things slides. I don't know. There's no slide projector. <laughs> it's all computer. Uh, okay. And can we do the one before that if we have it? On, on love, 1 Corinthians 13. And again, I'm not going to read it. You know it. If you've ever been to a wedding, this is what is read at the wedding. And um, our Christian marriages need, and our Christian lives need to reflect these things. And we look at the characteristics of love. And love is patient under stress. Okay. When we're filled with the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God, when we're squeezed by the pressure of the world, what's going to come out? What's put in us? Okay. And love is kind at all times. It's generous. It's not envious. It's humble. It's not self-promoting. Never rude. Does not manipulate by using shame. It's not irritable or easily defended. And I'll come back to that one. Celebrates honesty, does not focus on what is flawed, and is loyal to the end. And, uh, 
not irritable or easily defended, uh, offended. You know what offense is? Anybody have any idea? We did a, we had a couple's Bible study and prayer group that met Mondays for probably 10 years when our kids were growing up because we needed prayer for them. <laughs> and uh, But we studied a uh, study by John Bevere on the bait of Satan, okay? And that's what taking offense is. That's like swallowing the bait. You've, not got, you've now got a fish hook in your cheek and you're going to get jerked around by Satan, okay? And if we learn not to take offense, how much more would we love each other? and not criticize the pastor or say the worship didn't do anything for me today or that wasn't the greatest message. Uh, we're here to offer ourselves to the Lord, as Romans says, as, a, as an act of spiritual worship. And the other thing we do is renew our minds by being in the Word so we can know the will of God. If our, you know, most marriages come to the altar of the justice of the peace or their own vows as a bucket full of emotions and hormones. And that tends to wear off in a year or two. And, uh, but if we, and that's what I think is behind, listen up, Molly. God's got a guy for you out there, and he's the most wonderful guy in the world and he's going to be a Christian who knows you and loves you and appreciates you and that's just the way God works and you don't have to date and try this guy out and that guy out and see how it works out and if that's him God will make it happen if we leave it up to him and then that marriage will be a covenant and it will be long-standing because you'll have two people that love each other. They're filled with the love of God. And they are going to meet each other's needs. And that husband will love his wife as Christ loved the church. And that is a sacrificial love that gives all to that woman. Okay, And what woman would not submit to a man who is like that? who said, honey, your needs are more important than mine. Whatever you need, we're going to see it gets taken care of. Okay? And most marriages that don't have that split up because their needs aren't met by each other. Yeah, you don't do this for me. You don't do that. You don't take out the garbage. You know, this isn't going to work. And so the rate of divorce is 50% or so. And it's not much different in the church because there's a lot of religion and not enough of relationship. Um, and a funny thing about uh, a, a marriage between pagans, if you will, it's sort of like two fleas. You got to think about this. It's, it's like two fleas and no dog. Okay. And a flea on a dog is going to suck the life out of them. And if you've got two people and all they're interested in is getting their needs met, it's not going to work. And uh, 
the alarm has gone off. <laughs> and and I, I can't hear very well. <laughs> and if I go on, I'm in big trouble. So let, let me end with one more verse. Okay. Can we do 1 John 3? I'm challenging them back there, I know. And I, I, and I can read it, and if it, if it comes up, great. But again, with, with these scriptures on love, just get alone with God and let him touch your heart. You know, he wants to speak to you. He wants you to know this. And um, uh, the 1 John 3 I have, is uh, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Okay, that's what we are. And that love is huge and it's lavished and it never ends. Um, The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, for he is pure. So again, we look for that second coming. We are thankful that God never gives up on us. He never stops working. I'm still an imperfect person. I still need your conviction, Lord, your Holy Spirit. My heart is willing, and you know that. Um, And and that's our response to his love. And uh, one way God speaks to me, and this is the end, because Dan has already done it. There's a song, Reckless Love. Again, when I'm in the radio, I'm listening to praise music, but... Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. And the other one was, one thing remains. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. On and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies my soul. In death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. So let me let me end with a prayer while I'm still happily married. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, indwelling Holy Spirit, we are homesick for you. Thank you for planting in every human heart this desire and capacity to respond to you. You have passionately pursued us with love in sending Jesus to provide salvation. You have lavished your love and your mercy and your kindness upon us. You always call us home, feeding our hungry, our hunger, satisfying our thirst, 
Thank you for drawing us into this fresh experience of Advent. Come to us anew, Lord Jesus. Make your home in our willing hearts. Amen.